Hello, I'm Mark McCurgo and welcome to the Village in the City podcast, helping you build micro-local community where you live. This is the fourth Village in the City podcast and I'm talking to Sanderson Jones about the benefits of community. On the Village in the City website at villageinthecityalloneword.net, you'll be able to find information about our activities, our calls, our podcasts, our resources, our training manual for village builders, and how you can put your village on the map and join in with our activities. Hi everyone, welcome to Village in the City call number four, and we're here today to particularly talk about the benefits of community, and we're delighted to welcome as our very, very special guest, Sanderson Jones, who's here. Uh, Sanderson uh, is, is the founder of Sunday Assembly Movement, and is also now involved in a thing called Lifefulness is about how to bring the power of community to you wherever you are and so I can't think of a better person to be talking about the benefits of community than uh, Sanderson. He brings a great spirit and a light touch as well to his work along with huge commitment and we're very very thrilled to have him today. I've known him since I got involved with Sunday Assembly right back in 2013 when it started and we're pleased to say we've been friends and colleagues ever since so really pleased to have you with us Anderson so please benefits of community tell us about it Hello there, everyone. My name is Sanderson. I am going to be talking to you about the benefits of community and uh, also introducing you to this idea of lifefulness, which is born out of the Sunday assembly. There's so much that I want to talk to you about. If I make it to the end of the presentation, I'll be surprised. The Lifefulness Project is the social enterprise which uh, I started in March, and it is dedicated to this idea of lifefulness which we'll get into more later on and but this is my working definition of it that lifefulness adapts the techniques of the spiritual community in a way that everyone can take part uh, and uh, you know if that still sounds a bit abstract don't worry we'll get into it more as we go the vision for the lifefulness project is a world where everyone lives a life that matters to them with people that they care about because we're all about meaning and belonging. And the reason that the Life from This Project looks to the spiritual community, looks to the congregation, is because this is a social structure which has worked time and time again to build that uh, connection and to answer these fundamental needs. Uh, I wasn't always in the secular congregation world. I mean, how do you even end up in it? Uh, I'll just give you a bit of background. Uh, before doing that, I was, uh, before launching this in 2013, I was a stand-up comedian. Uh, the show which sort of ended up, I ended up becoming a professional through was a show where I sold every single ticket by hand. So I've always liked these big ambitious projects. Uh, what I really loved about it is that way I would know everyone in the crowd and I'd be like, hey, Randy, how's it going? And, you know, I'd know everyone there. But then, Randy, the thing which really surprised people is that I would then research them online and incorporate their social media into the show. Uh, this, this is an example of it is that uh, this is a woman called Kate who came along to a show. She was one of those people who on social media only has one smile. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty hypnotic. It took a lot of time. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, I ended up in 2012. Uh, I thought, what's the most ridiculous place I could take a hand-sold show? And ended up taking it to the Sydney Opera House, which was uh, 
Yeah, a load of fun. And that's a tale for a whole other talk. But in 2013, uh, I started with my friend Pippa Evans, another comedian, Sunday Assembly. And it's based on this really simple idea, which is, wouldn't it be great if there was something like a church, a mosque or a synagogue, but which everyone could come to? Uh, for me, I, the idea came when I left a Christmas carol service and I was like, I love all the elements of it. I just happen to be not religious, nothing against it, just not for me. And so at Sunday Assembly, what we did is, uh, this is the launch of one in East End, is people would gather on a Sunday. Uh, we would sing pop songs. Uh, I don't know if people here have yet heard Mark on the saxophone, but he has played along to many a power ballad. Uh, people could move if uh, they wanted to, uh, whatever form took them. I'm just going to tell you right now, Sunday Assembly is not home to the greatest dancers in the world, uh, inspired by me at the front. Uh, then there'd be an inspiring uh, TED-style talk. Richard mentioned, uh, Richard mentioned TEDx, and it's like that sort of thing. Educational, informative, uh, inspiring. And there'd be a moment mindfulness, a moment of stillness, a moment of contemplation uh, and but like the service of all these different elements was to build an inclusive community, a community which no matter what people believed they would be welcomed there and uh, yeah so that uh, started in 2013 and it went it was very strange it was started off as an experiment and it just really tapped into this unmet need, a need which you guys are also answering through by building villages. It's our desire for connection. It's our desire for belonging. It's our desire to be in relationship with people. And these are all things which are being undercut by society as it stands. So many of the major tech trends are sort of uh, pointing in the direction of disconnection. Uh, there's a reason that during coronavirus, where we're more disconnected than ever, all the stocks in tech companies have just gone up because they, are, they benefit from these things. And you guys are part of the uh, counterculture. It's super important, this work. And I just thought I'd share one uh, clip from this is when we, uh, the launch of Sunday Assembly in Nashville, when I started this in North London, I never expected us to be on Fox News, uh, but let's hear what they had to say. Well, a new church is shaking things up in the Bible Belt. It's an atheist church called Sunday Assembly. Now, it's actually founded in London, and now it's spreading. Dozens of congregations around the world, and now Nashville is being added to that list. There we go. Super weird. Uh, when I was interviewed by Fox News, I met a woman who just had hair like I've never seen before. So big, so seemingly solid, so quaffed. Uh, and, and so then that's what... Uh, uh, you know, that's a charity and it's spread all over the world. But in 2017, my career and my work went in a different direction because and, and so I've started to work in uh, on this idea of lifefulness and sort of dedicating myself to the idea rather than the organisation of Sunday Assembly. And the way lifefulness started was um, as I did Sunday Assembly, I sort of researched it more just totally you know, I knew that this was my vocation and I just did so much reading on it. And I found out uh, sort of more about the start of mindfulness. Going to ask everyone here, uh, by a show of hands, uh, put your hands up if you've heard of mindfulness. Let me quickly go and have a look at. There we go. Yes. 
Some people have heard of, uh, most people have. Okay, there's a lot of hands up. I'll still do a quick refresher. Is that this guy here, he's called John Kabat-Zinn, and he looks very happy, good for his age. Uh, and in 1979, he was a Buddhist practitioner, and he had the, he describes it as a vision, where he said he suddenly saw like that this Buddhist meditation practice that he was doing could help so many of his patients in hospital. And, but he knew he couldn't go in there and say, uh, all right there guys, uh, uh, shave your heads, pop on the orange robes, we're going Buddhist. Uh, no, you can't, um, you can't prescribe Buddhism uh, in, uh, in the American medical system or really any medical system. And so what he did is he took this practice and he went and described it in a language which was secular, which was inclusive, and he started to create an evidence base for it. And so when I heard about that, I realized that sort of Pippa and I, like without planning to do it, we had done for congregation what John Kabat-Zinn had done for meditation. Like we had shown how you can use these sets of tools and techniques, which we might think of as religious, in a way that everyone can use them. And, and then as I was sort of, you know, going on this journey, I uh, also learned at the, about, uh, you know, different ways to create impact and about this idea of creating indirect impact. And that's where instead of only doing things through your organization, what you do is you teach people an idea, much as I'm introducing an idea to you now, you can see it in practice, and show how actually if other people can learn to this idea and put it into practice where they are, then uh, that's a far more effective way of creating an impact. And so that's how uh, uh, we, uh, I, like, I started to go on to this lifefulness journey, taking all of the lessons for, that we had learned at Sunday Assembly and showing how everyone could do them. And so again, this thing of lifefulness adapts the techniques of the spiritual community in a way that everyone can take part. And so that's where uh, this idea of lifefulness comes from. Even the word sounds the same, because like as you go and think about your village, I think it's a really useful lens for thinking about your activities. And the more I did research on it, the more looking at, I looked at the sort of health benefits and uh, of community and particularly communities of meaning, then uh, I actually realized that, you know, I, I thought that it was really mindfulness was this idea that had been copied. But the more I looked at it, I saw so many other ideas which had come from spiritual practices originally. Here are a few. The university that was originally designed to train priests. Uh, yoga, now everyone does it. But in fact, you know, that's a Hindu practice. Hospitals, if we think about the start of hospitals, you know, we see the modern medical doctors now, you know, we don't call them uh, secular and inclusive uh, shamans, uh, but that's, you know, what they are. And even rock and roll, the moves which Elvis and Little Richard uh, sort of uh, used, they were taken from the Pentecostal and gospel churches of the Deep South. So much of what we've done comes from looking at practices which were originally considered sacred. And it was particularly when looking at the benefits of this. And that's one thing at Sunday Assembly we made a great effort on is to go and look at the health benefits of community. Uh, and, and by the way, in case you think this is a sort of only uh, outside of 
uh, only sort of in people's personal life. You know, this has also got the work that you're doing has also got huge applications in the workplace and in your workplace. Uh, for instance, as one, uh, there's so much research on this, but this one sort of really struck me that meaning is the number one factor that millennials look for in work. And there's just so many arresting statistics about the benefits of community. Uh, this one here from a huge meta-analysis of uh, research on loneliness showed that, you know, having sort of, as it says here, weak relationships and social support, low social integration, you know, if people aren't connected, it's worse for your health than smoking more than 15 cigarettes a day, heavy drinking and not exercising. You know, this is like at the root of a huge public health crisis. Uh, I have asked sort of researcher friends of mine whether this means that if you've got really amazing community, whether you can smoke fags, booze the whole time and not do any exercise, but apparently that is not the lesson that you should take from this graph. And uh, in our own research uh, at Sunday Assembly, we saw that, yeah, that like people taking part in sort of these community activities, particularly ones which are sort of centered around meaning, centered around fundamental questions uh, of people who, uh, of the sort of broad population, 88% felt a greater sense of community, 80% uh, had an increase in life satisfaction, and 87% felt happier. What's really interesting is that this is, whilst the effect is uh, diminished, this, these same trends could be seen in attendees with mental ill health. They, 76% felt a greater sense of community, 78% had an increase in life satisfaction, and 85% felt happier. What's really interesting is, again, we uh, went and uh, sort of not only did our own research, but encouraged other researchers to come in. There was a team from Brunel University and... Uh, and then Oxford University, I say team, they were each of these different respected universities, sounds like there were 50 of them, two researchers from different universities. And they went and did a six month longitudinal survey, studying people at the beginning and the end, uh, of the impact of being part of Sunday Assembly, a lifefulness community. And they found that it there was an increase in well-being, particularly through the small group activities, but one of the most fascinating things about this uh, piece of research, because when John Kabat-Zinn was bringing out mindfulness research, it's like saying, oh, actually, meditation is really good for you. You know, that found it quite easy to go and get uh, published, is that these two researchers found it so hard to get this research published because to all the academic journals they went to, these journals said, what, well, so you're telling us that attending a congregation is good for your health? That is one of the most well-established piece of research that there is. That, and, and what's fascinating is that in this research on being part of uh, a congregational community, and you know, these things also apply in different communities, this is my uh, area of specialty, uh, is that what's interesting is even if you attend these uh, congregations or spiritual communities, and you don't believe in what people are, talk that people are talking about, you're just being dragged along by your wife or husband, you still get 
these improvements. And so our poor researchers, they found it really hard to get it published, though eventually they did, because the evidence that community is good for you is something which is, uh, as I said, so well established. And I thought I'd say that, like, give some examples. For instance, being part of a congregational or spiritual community uh, improves uh, your, makes you happier and in, uh, decreases your uh, chance of having uh, mental ill health. Uh, it also makes you live longer. People who are part of congregational communities also uh, earn more money uh, as well. And this is, by the way, very, I'm not, these are not the selling points of why you should join a community, but I think we should maybe use them more. Uh, and it also, uh, people who are part of congregational or spiritual communities, their relationships last longer. And this is one I think we should lead with more often. Uh, they not only last longer, but they also, uh, they also have more sex. So uh, look, hey, hey, there you go. Who, who doesn't want that? That should be, like I said, lifefulness uh, adapts the techniques of the spiritual community in a way that everyone can take part. And I hope that I've showed you the benefits uh, of being part of a community. Uh, but I thought that it would also be useful just to go and give you an idea of like the different parts of uh, lifefulness. So you can go and think about when you're building your village, oh, actually, what are some of the different, uh, the different activities that, uh, you know, go into making a spiritual community or congregation? And, uh, the model that we've adapted has six key principles. And, you know, each one of these I could talk for a day about, so I'm just going to go and give them to you in an overview very quickly, uh, is that one, it is around connecting everyone. People go there, their ultimate meaning. Some people will use a religious language to describe that, but if you're not religious, everyone has got this purpose, this deep, deep purpose, which motivates them. Uh, and then there's these five core activities, purposeful celebration, which are, is our uh, trans, that we, we could call it secular worship, but we want to get away from that religious language. But these activities as a group or individuals, which connects you to it, there's community life, there's an idea of personal growth. And again, I'd ask you when you're doing this to think about, like, how are you getting this from uh building your village or being part of your village. There's this idea of serving others and uh, the idea of changing the world. Uh, again, with that one, uh, the sort of best uh, translation of it is probably spreading the word uh, because that's our tr translation of evangelism. But I think it's a tiny bit self-serving to have a part of your sort of model, which is also do my marketing for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, that idea of changing the world and wanting to spread the work that you do. The way that I look at it is that like this is a lens. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can, you can look at it. Your community is a village. You could go and look at it as a, you know, an army or whatever it might be. But like, maybe you're just looking at one event. Uh, maybe you're looking at your own life that this is something which uh, goes and gives you some useful tools to help you along the way. And if you're not going to get into the nitty gritty of, you know, the lifefulness model, just this simple question is quite help. How would a spiritual community or congregation create community? You instinctively know this. You would instinctively have got a feel for it. So just to have that, of like if you really want to connect to people's fundamental drivers, 
then just ask yourself this, how would a spiritual community or congregation create community? So uh, I'm going to end there. Uh, but before I go, I will say uh, that if you want to find out more about it, we have a Lifefulness podcast. Please do go and download it. It is really exciting. It's a longer form exploration of these big questions around it. Uh, the other work that we do at the Lifefulness Project is helping company with culture, well-being, remote work and away days through doing talks, training and facilitation. And if you want to get connected locally, we also do Lifefulness small groups, which you can go and find through lifefulness.io forward slash membership. So that is only overrunning by a minute, which for me, Mark, must be some form of record. That's the best I've done yet. You're listening to the Village in the City podcast, and you can find out more information about the project, uh, how you can get involved, how you can start creating your own micro local community, your village in the city, wherever you are in the world, at villageinthecity.net. Well, as usual, we had some questions too, and the first question for Sanderson came from Jody, whose project is in La Paz, Bolivia. Well, thank you so much. It was really inspiring, the, the sharing, and really, really, really thanks. And I was thinking about, like, the importance of entertainment, build connection. If you have, like, the feeling that it's really important, like, like also let people um, having this flow of uh, connection through the entertainment, through the happiness. So, yeah, if you, that's the feeling that I have, and I think that it's important if you can maybe like show something about like i yes i uh, so like i think a lot of that desire we have for transcendence for being lifted up for feeling part of a crowd there's uh durkheim who is the sociologist who has really started off this research into looking at religions from a social science point of view he called it collective effervescence uh La effervencia colectiva, maybe. Uh, and uh, the, and yeah, so, you know, it might have the word entertainment, but it is so important. Those moments when we are able to go and, like, sometimes it's like where we feel both very small and very big at the same time, uh, where we are, where we feel most ourselves, but most part of a crowd. And like a lot of this uh, desire for those moments has now sort of gone into the arts. And so we've got this word entertainment for it. But in fact, I'd say is it's far more important than that. Like these, like Mark on his saxophone is a vital part of this. And so finding those moments where you do, where people do lose themselves is, uh, it's also a way of demonstrating to people before they are part of a community, what a community feels like. Because it takes a while to know people's names and to be checking in on each other. But in that moment where we're transported, we have that feeling. And it's like the taster for what's to come. I'm just wondering, uh, maybe it's it's been mentioned or you've, you've covered it, but for the Sunday assemblies of this congregational spirit and energy, um, uh, is there some way that you also use it constructively within the neighbourhood or the village for something like a project, say, 
Um, we've got a bit of a messy village at the moment. How are we going to clean it up? Um, is there anything like that? That is a vital part of it. And that's serving, that's that part there, serving others. And so, uh, uh, yeah, there it is about, uh, you know, sort of going and like actually doing things. And sometimes the serving others will be different people will have different ways of serving and sometimes it might be looking after the community itself, making sure that your your village inside a village, someone's like sending out the minutes, whatever it might be. There's always people who love the minutes. I'm not one of them. And then there is going and volunteering and doing other things. One thing which I think is really useful for having this model is because you often end up getting into a discussion about whether, oh, well, it's about this. Oh, it's about this. And actually saying, like all of these are important and they are like tastes in a dish. Like if you've got too much of one or too much of the other, then it's about having it balanced. And so that's why we would get into those discussions. And for some people, they're going to be like, some people want to sing in the band, but like then other people are going to be like really community focused, but it's about saying like, you need to do all of these things a little bit, but also we need to go and look at all of these different areas. Thanks, Sanderson. It's one of the things that struck me when I came to this idea of the village being quite a small thing is that in, in, in a way, one would want sort of communities like this in every little patch. So when you started Sunday Assembly London and I joined in with you very rapidly, uh, you know, that's, that's a city of eight million people <laughs> and one Sunday Assembly. Actually, but if you look at the church's model, there's a parish in every in every little patch, and really, in a way, I'm I'm thinking that we, you know, in a perfect world, one might have a Sunday assembly in every patch as well, which is a radically different way of doing it than having one in a you know one or two in a in a big city. But we hey, well maybe we'll we'll come towards that as uh, as things go on. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's something interesting from your from look at thinking about this of quite a, like this is something I think about a lot of like is it best to just be like with the life on this project going I'm in southeast London it's going to be far better to like work out what 200 people in southeast London looks like uh, or 300 and then going and then let's move to the next one and then let's move to the next one so there is like as you guys go and develop this you'll probably also have those same questions but I th and then that also does point to like stuff that again thinking like a church, they like to knock on a door. <laughs> like this is stuff you've got something great that you want to talk to people about. You'd love them to get involved. Knock on a door, have a conversation. It's as simple as that. And this is what we learned from Lara when she ran her uh, gave us her session a couple of months ago about how they started off leafleting and knocking on knocking on doors. So Lara, do you want to take a moment just to? just to talk about some of these things, because there's great ideas in there. Sure, I mean, um, I suppose our community's been growing for about seven seven years now. We've always had a, a big annual street party where we've closed the street and people have come down onto the street to share food. And it's always been very social and really nice. And of course, unfortunately this year is the first year in seven years we weren't able to do that thanks to COVID. And I think that is makes everything a lot more challenging now, because I think one of the nicest ways to connect with other people is over food and, and drink. Um, so we're going to, we're planning to have, um, which will be a first for us, an, an online quiz um, where we're going to invite our neighbours to participate. We're hopefully going to involve the neighbours in setting some of the questions on local history, 
local knowledge, who lives where. We're very close to Holyrood Park, so we'll maybe have some uh, local natural history questions as well. Uh, I have never done an online quiz before, so if anyone has any tips, feel free to share them with me as well. And a couple of other things that we're doing, which are COVID safe, is a window wonderland, which I don't know if people have come across that, but it's a really lovely idea where neighbours are invited to decorate the windows of their homes or indeed the windows of their cars if they want to as well, um, and light them up on a set date in, in a set window of time. Um, and then people can, can wander the neighbourhood and um, get to legitimately peer into their neighbours' windows as well. It was quite a, a, a creative thing to do. And this year, we're going to tie that in with Two Absent Friends Festival, which is a, a festival in Scotland that runs the first week in November every year, um, a festival of remembrance and storytelling. So the theme there is really reflecting on, on loved ones who have died. And um, we're hoping that people will you know, express that creatively through their windows. So that's one thing we're doing. And the other thing that we're doing, again, which is COVID safe, um, because it's utilising people's windows, um, which is a, a pumpkin or a lantern trail where people will be invited to display either carved turnips or pumpkins or pictures or drawings of pumpkins or things like that um, on Halloween. Um, and again, people will have the opportunity to walk around their neighbourhood and, and look at them as well. Um, so those are a couple of things that we're doing. But I do miss the, the cake and the wine and the food. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a, this is a, a game, it seems to me, when these, some of these things, they sound quite modest on their own, but actually you, you can get, make a great big difference with some quite small things that invite people to get engaged, get involved, and particularly these days that they can do that uh, safely. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you found some great stuff there about the benefits of community and the undoubted effect on well-being that being connected with your neighbours can have. I'm Mark McCurgo. Please join me next time on Village in the City. And until then, I will see you on the website at villageinthecity.net. Cheers for now. <laughs>